0: stopped the deaths both of them for my mother's was only the first another death was yet to come a swift snatched death it made ditches seem darker and sleep harder to find it meant that if the wind picked up quickly enough without enough warning i'd run i've been looking back too much of late new frown lines and bitten nails prove it I've been distracted, lost, having strange dreams. I find myself gazing out of windows, listening to silence. But I have reason to now. I have to remember everything that my mother's death led me to, as I felt it, as it took place. I have to write down every glance, each whisper in my ear, how hot that summer was, how moths bumped against the window panes at night how easy it was to hide in bracken, the purplish bloom of damaged skin, nettle rash, how a man's hand felt on me, the lies I told, the fire. There's no doubt that there was a strange hush to the day she died, that our cold terraced house seemed to hold its breath. Later, as a teenager. I would imagine loss to act like a stone flung into a pond, sending dark waves into every distant corner. Maybe some reached me as I rested my chin on my knees in the window. Maybe not. At any rate, the dustman never came. My mother stirred at lunchtime. She raked her fingers through her hair, and when I heard the front door close, I scrambled up onto the windowsill so that I could see all the way to the shop. This was forbidden. I had been told I could fall through the glass that way. But I knew she wouldn't look back to see it. She gazed up past the telegraph wires. The wind was picking up. The sky over the city was steely and low. When she came home she carried a plastic bag, and for a while our house felt lived in again. There were noises in the kitchen. I heard the loo flush and the scuff of her slippers in the hall. In the fridge I found a bottle of milk that didn't smell sour or have lumps in and had a lovely bluish tinge when she slopped it into a glass for me. I held it with both hands. She seemed well again, happier. So I went back up to my room and began digging my name into the paintwork with a penny. I felt better. The trains trundled past the end of the garden in the rain. Four o'clock came. The clock in the hall whispered it. As I lay on the floor, fitting whole biscuits into my mouth and flicking through my comic books, the banister creaked. She trudged past my room. Twisting a strand of hair between her fingers, she said, Are you all right in there? Then she ran a bath. I loved the sound. It made me sleepy, and when I closed my eyes, I'd think of magic waterfalls and little dipping boats. She always took long baths. "'She loved thick body creams and scented talc. "'She loved washing the city out of her hair "'and combing it as she drifted through the house, "'switching on lights. "'And she loved fluffy white towels, "'candles on the windowsill, "'water so hot there'd be a red line round her waist afterwards. "'And that afternoon I smelt her jasmine scent and cigarettes, "'heard her clothes drop to the floor.' and my mother shut the bathroom door at 4.16 as the Snow Hill to Marylebone train rolled past the house, sounding its horn into the damp air. I know I was humming, reading my comics with my chin cupped in my hands, when she died. Mrs Willis, next door, made the phone call. I stood on the back step in my dressing gown and slippers, watching the frost, not wanting to go back inside. She wore a dark red knitted cardigan with buttons that looked like boiled sweets and she smelt of washing machines. She came out to me with a patchwork rug, knelt down and arranged it over my shoulders. It felt heavy. She rubbed warmth into my hands, tried to smooth my hair back. She covered my ears as the sirens came, pressed me into her chest, but I still heard them. When she went to let them in, I pattered down to the shed, tugged at the lock and crept in. My bicycle was kept in there. There were old pot plants, bricks and a watering can. The place smelt of petrol, soil, damp wood. And I wedged myself between the wall and an old deck chair. Nestled into the rug, stared at the darkness and crouched there until they'd gone. I stayed with Mr. and Mrs. Willis for the next two nights. Who else would have had me? I slept in their spare bedroom at the front of the house, which had a fringed pink lampshade and cracks across the ceiling. At night, headlights scooted over the walls and I'd listened to the click-click of high heels on the pavement. These things were new to me because I'd only known the back of the house before. But I could still hear tomcats yowling on fence-tops. Freight trains still rumbled like thunder through the dark. Mrs Willis didn't stray far. She turned up radiators, told me Bible stories, brought me boiled egg and soldiers, sat on the end of my bed and patted my feet, and one night, when she thought I was sleeping, she whispered about me on the telephone. I hugged my shins at the top of the stairs and picked at the leafy wallpaper. I was being taken away. I didn't know where to or how long for, but I knew I'd never sit at the top of Mrs Willis's stairs again. "'It's a four-hour journey,' she hissed into the phone. "'Can't I drive her there? The child's seven years old, for pity's sake.' Next morning it was explained. Mrs Willis said she was too old to keep me, and Mr Willis was older still. "'He was poorly,' she told me, and needed rest.' I knew this anyway because he never seemed to leave the faded armchair that faced the back garden and he watched the bird table with watery eyes, coughing into a wad of cotton wool. I only ever used to see him when I went round to get my ball back. A waxy thin man with striped pyjamas, half-moon glasses and big jowls that trembled when he spoke. But for those two nights I got to know what he smelt like how his fingernails had strange rind underneath them that he peeled out with toothpicks. At night, as the headlights wheeled over my head, I'd hear his breath rattle through the bedroom wall. I wonder if he'd die soon too, and who would find him. So one slippery white sky morning in December, I was put into a car. Mrs Willis helped me. I felt like a parcel in my duffel coat and scarf, clutching dog by the ears. My eczema itched beneath my red woollen tights. It was quiet in our street. Before shutting the car door, Mrs. Willis gave me a satsuma and a slice of soggy fruit cake for the journey. God be with you, she smiled, and try to be good. As the car pulled away, Mrs. Willis tried to keep up. She began blowing kisses, mouthing something at me I couldn't make out. I thought maybe she'd changed her mind, that she was trying to catch me, to pop me back into the front bedroom with the frilly lampshade. I put my hand up against the glass. I willed her to run faster, but she grew smaller and smaller. Through the rear window I saw her standing by the letterbox at the bottom of our street, her left arm raised with a balled-up hanky in her hand. That was the last I ever saw of her. As the car turned the corner, her white apron shone out through the gloom. "'Strictly, I'm a Midlands girl. "'I've never been back there, and no longer see it as home, "'but have not lost the accent completely. "'I can still describe the smells of canals in August. "'I like to think I still have atoms of coal dust in me, "'that M6 traffic fumes still inch through my veins, "'that if I ever walked down New Street again, "'I'd feel like I'd never been away. "'Until she died, I knew nowhere else.' "'I'd been brought to Birmingham before I was born, "'before my mother knew if I was going to be a boy or a girl. "'She said she'd sit in the bath "'and watch my elbows poke up under her belly like chicken wings. "'We didn't live near the chocolate factory, "'but sometimes I was sure I could smell the cocoa beans and cream. "'I'd lean out of my bedroom window, close my eyes and breathe. "'My weekends, when I was old enough, "'had been spent crawling under market stalls in the Bull ring.' "'chasing grimy pigeons, being pushed on the rickety swings in the park. "'I picked up the accent at school. "'I learned football chants from the playground "'and bellowed them out in the bath. "'When I was six, I sat myself down at the edge of Gas Street Basin "'and dipped my feet in the water, "'and my mother tugged me out because of the greenish scum "'and the floating things. "'She scrubbed my feet till they tingled. "'I wasn't allowed there again.' And the Indian takeaway from three streets away made our house smell spicy when the wind was right. And we could hear the noise from St Andrews when there was a home game.